Today's intention is to maintain calm, especially when there's chaos all around you. Hey, it's Bobby. Welcome to Student of Intention, where we help you enjoy the pursuit of purpose. Remember, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. Hey friends, welcome to Student of Intention. This is your host, Bobby Dysart. Uh, Just a wonderful afternoon here in the Creative Palace. First in-person, in-studio conversation in some time. Um, Stoked to welcome a a good friend, Todd Osherman, on today's show. Um, I'll introduce Todd here shortly. Uh, As is customary, I wanna share a story um, that begins Last week uh, on Thursday, I'd had my, I'd actually given my first living with intention workshop uh, for for a friend's organization, and during the uh, during the conversation, we talked about um, sort of the misuse of the rule of reciprocity, um, or at least I I think it's a misuse, and um, how I sort of see it going around on on the interwebs is. Um, this idea that if you if you give, you get something in return, which you know, of course, I think I think we can all subscribe to that idea that the more you give, the more uh, the universe sort of returns things back to you. Um, but as I'm seeing this uh, this rule of reciprocity explained, uh, particularly on on LinkedIn and amongst salespeople, which this this conversation was for a group of salespeople, it's being explained as Hey, make sure that you're you're going around giving as much as you can so that you can get stuff in return, right? And and from a sales perspective, it's like um, you know lead your emails with some sort of content that's free. Make sure you're you know when you're making phone calls, you at least like share a tiny bit of wisdom, um, which again in a vacuum is great, like giving away free content, um, you know helpful solutions to potential customers' problems. Love it. What I don't love is this idea that you're doing it with, with um, some sort of um, condition in mind. Um, I think the true meaning of like giving is to do it unconditionally. And I don't have any science to back this up, but um, I, I know that you know and the universe knows that there's other powers that know that if you're out there in the world giving with conditions, with the idea that you're going to get something in return and something specific in return, be it a sale, be it an opportunity, be it an introduction, what have you. Um, it's not the same thing as, as truly giving and truly giving out a service. So um, be, be wary of that. And um, and it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it easy to give unconditionally. Like I, I understand those things can be challenged. It can be challenged to truly show up in service and truly show up trying to simply unite the world as opposed to um, extract something from it. But you can start small. Um, and I think just the gift of gratitude, right? Simply remembering to thank people um, is, is one gift that we can kind of give unconditionally in that workshop. Uh, everybody sent out a thank you note to someone they loved and someone they hadn't thanked in a while. Um, you know, the gift of gratitude is something you can sort of prime yourself to be able to show up in service and give unconditionally regularly. So um, take that for what it's worth today. Um, mind mind that rule of reciprocity. I believe in the rule, I believe in the idea, but I don't believe in the misuse. Um, and with that, I'll shift to today's guest, 
uh, Todd Osherman, who I think knows plenty about uh, the rule of reciprocity and the idea of unity, and, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, Todd and I have become fast friends. Uh, we met through a mutual connection, and um, I think the, the 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 beauty of our relationship is how fast it's how fast it's um, how fast it's forged um, in the way that it's forged. We um, we actually meet with a few friends. Um, we'll, we'll call it monthly uh, at a uh, what we call a Zen Duffy boat cruise, and it's. Um, it's just a humble gathering where um, you know guys can be real. We can share what's on our mind, and, and most importantly, share what's working for us uh, in the real world, um, with the idea of being you know intentional and being more mindful. Um, and so, so I'm really excited to welcome Todd on today's show. Um, other than being a um, a fan of intention and a, a mindful person himself, he uh, he's also an operator. He's a longtime entrepreneur. Um, he operates in the mortgage industry space. He actually runs a startup called Notaru that's focused on aligning lenders, title companies, and signing agents. Uh, he's built and exited a top 10 reverse mortgage bank as well as a top five ranked mortgage broker. Um, so person knows plenty about building companies, building teams, um, building for the future, and plenty about intention. Todd. Yeah. Welcome to uh to Student of Intention, bro. Thank you for the intro. And I, I think that uh the the real the real thing that I've built is a bunch of mistakes. <laughs> uh, you know, it's I, I think that that's kind of part of part of being an entrepreneur and, and that's really the journey and the learning is you you really can't find success until you've been punched a bunch and and you know, still gotten back up and made all the mistakes and then kind of gained that wisdom. Mm. Right. You kind of like, at least for me, I started uh, my first business. I started with the knowledge that I thought that I could do anything. And then I gained the wisdom that I couldn't do everything that I needed a lot of other really good people around me. Um, and I needed to kind of to to learn as I went, which I know is um, certainly something that uh, you espouse as well. And I think that's probably a pretty good reason as to why we've become such fast friends is we've you know, uh, we share a lot of the same worldview. And I think, uh, you know, it's that that sort of law of attraction thing. You know, you kind of tend to bring into your circle um, people that can help you grow in, in areas that are that are meaningful to you at a really deep level. Oh, dude. I mean, just right out of the gates, you, um, you know, humbly admit like <laughs> you've tasted some failure. You've oh, yeah. made some mistakes. <laughs> and I, I, that, that, that is so important in entrepreneurship because I, I think we just oh. get flashed with, you know, big funding rounds and, um, you know, the Facebook, the Airbnbs of the world, the Twitter of the world. And, you know, we, we don't really see. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's a failure, but, but you just throw it right there on the, on the table. It was the wipeouts, you know, like uh, <laughs> I, I think that that when I was learning how to surf, that was I, I sought out wipeouts because I think, uh, you know, it's like it's like any endeavor that you take on that's going to be challenging. You, you kind of need to appreciate the violence that's involved and you have to be OK with that before you're going to be able to make it to any sort of sort of higher level. And kind of like what you were saying, as an entrepreneur and, and especially in tech, you, you go to a lot of conferences and you go to a lot of, you know, fireside chats and you hear all these awesome stories, you know, about, well, first, you know, it was just me and my garage and my dog, you know, and then I built this company that I exited last year for two billion. Aren't I great? 
And it's like, well, okay, but what did you actually go through? Like, like what was the pain that you felt on the way up there? Tell me about like when you almost lost the company or when it got so bad, you you know, you woke up, uh, you know, every single morning asking yourself why you're putting yourself through this torture and that you must be crazy. Like, I, I want to hear about those stories a little bit because that's, that's also a part of it. It's just the part that, you know, once you kind of get to a certain I guess elevation, you, you just don't look down there anymore. But but those foundations are, are really the keys to success that I found. Oh man, hundred percent, hundred percent, and uh, the worldview piece as well. And like like we we I think part of the thing that made me a little nervous about this podcast is I think we could talk for four hours easily. Um, <laughs> at least that sh- that shows up on the boat um, when we get that group together. Um, we start going down different rabbit holes or talking about different ideas. Um, it seems like you and I can uh, play ham and egg on those for forever. So, um, man, so to have you here. And one of the things I wanted to talk about um, is with regard to your business is you you actually lay it out right there on the front page um this idea of creating uh, or cultivating calm from chaos mm-hmm. um preparing for this i i even looked a little deeper into your core values and the second one was pursuing unity yeah um which i talked a little bit about at the top of the show um so i want to kind of want to anchor around those two ideas um one cultivating um cultivating calm and and two pursuing unity um but also look at it through the lens of, you know, when when you're starting a company, what I think is really interesting about um, messages like like you know taglines or mm-hmm. mission statements or values. These are things that at the corporate level, sort of, you know, employees can can roll their eyes sometimes, right? Definitely. But when you're a small stage early company, like you're you're really putting your heart on your sleeve. It's Absolutely. really revealing, and to say something like you know, cultivating calm from chaos. I, I know it means a lot to you. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's an important tagline for us and it's really the, the, I guess the overarching theme of everything that we do. And it's, it sort of, it's very important to us that the people that join our organization share that as a value. And we, we really want people that understand the, the cost of chaos, not just from a monetary level, which it's extremely expensive, number one, but from a quality of life level, living in chaos sucks. It, mm. it just sucks. And people that tend to create chaos, um, you know, and, and, you know, create work silos and create a lot of extra work for everybody is really not something that we're interested in. Um, and not only that, but for our clients, you know, the mortgage business is insanely chaotic. You have a lot of different fractured areas. Uh, so the amount of chaos that was in that business when I was building out my, my first companies, uh, it was very chaotic and it's, it's no way to live. Uh, so, so that was the idea, uh, behind notary. It wasn't really, you know, we, we do some stuff. We, we, you know, put the notaries into, uh, into a better situation. We do a lot of integration things, but the, the purpose is that we're trying to calm this thing. And if and it was a lofty goal, if we can calm this process, then we can not only, you know, build a, a, a company that serves a need, but we can make, people's lives better mm. by being able to streamline these things and technology allows us to do it in ways that were never really possible before. So, and that, that, that was a really important thing for us to get out there. But then on the sort of deeper level, it's, it's attracted the right people to the company. Um, you know, my, my uh, ops manager right now is a, a, a meditation teacher. She teaches mindfulness and she literally saw the core values in our ad. And that was that, I mean, she came in, had a great conversation with uh, with my COO John, 
uh, and it was just pff, natural fit. So, you know, that that's kind of the, the theme of what we're trying to do. If you can sort of put your soul out there a little bit, mm. uh, it, it tends to, you know, people that are like-minded, kind of like what you and I are just talking about with us, tend to sort of congregate together. Right, right. No, it's it's beautiful. And, and 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 not easy like it's it's hard to sort of codify these these ideas um in simple phrases and then to plaster them on the web or share them with strangers and um again that's why i said it's, it's pretty revealing at this stage of a business yeah definitely and and you know we've we've laughed about this before but you know on one, one of the things that we have on our on our sales deck is we have a slide that sort of shows you know our integration strategy of putting all these key parties together and you know, we have calm from chaos. And when I'm presenting that, I'm not a, I'm not a naturally calm guy. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm high, high energy, uh, you know, ADD. I'm, I'm always moving at a million miles an hour and I'm very forgetful about a lot of things. So being calm is really an intention. And it's something that because it's, it's an intention, it's, it's something that needs to always be cultivated. It has to be worked on. If it's, if it's not watered, it's not going to grow. So the, the, the idea of not only making that the theme of why we're building the company and, also making it the theme of who we want to be a part of the company. Um, it's also something that we have to work on every single day because if you don't, things things have a tendency to get chaotic mm-hmm. if they're not being watched. Um, and that's big. Th- th- that's definitely true for me on a personal level. I can be very chaotic, and I was before I really got into mindfulness and meditation and routines, um, and it's really helped. But if I stop all of that, if I go back and revert to sort of my old ways, it's going to be very easy for me to get back into that easy or not difficult, but easy to do chaotic lifestyle. Oh, I mean, it's, it's definitely, and I don't, I don't know why, but uh, I think chaos is sort of the default um, scenario or or action, particularly for early stage companies, particularly for companies, probably in the mortgage space and definitely hungry, excitable, you know, energetic executives. So um, what are some of the things you're doing on a personal level as a team um, yeah. to, to live that value? Yeah, that's that's uh, it's a big one. So uh, mindfulness and meditation are, are really big for us. And for me personally, um, you know, I started my meditation journey when I was 19. I was very fortunate that um, I had a, I went to a Jesuit college, uh, Loyola, and we had a, a Jesuit or former Jesuit that went to Japan and left the Jesuit order and became a Zen master and returned to Loyola and set up a Zendo at the top of Marquette Hall. So it was great. And at the time it was the, it blew me away when I was actually learning, you know, the practice of Zazen and we were studying the Tao Te Ching and all these really cool things. I also knew at the time that the timing wasn't right. Like I knew that, you know, I was still 19. You were a sponge I w- enough. No, no, I was ready. I was, you know, about to turn 21 and I was ready to go. And I think at that time in New Orleans, the drinking age was 18. So I was in full party mode, but I did learn the techniques and I kind of knew in the back of my head that it someday, you know, there, there was going to come a point where this was going to be a big part of my life. And that point came, um, you know, probably 39, 40 years old. Um, I just kind of felt like it was time for, it was time for me to, to, to do some lifestyle changes. It was time for me to start not trying to control everything that was outside of me, but start to control or try to control or understand the things that are going on inside of me. And what I've sort of come to realize is that there's a cause and effect relationship there. And when we try to control the effects, everything that's happening externally, you can't. You, the, the causes create the effects. The effects don't create the effects. Mm-hmm. You have to try to go to the root, to the cause. And what I've found for me personally is meditation really helps me focus on that cause. 
and the cause is, you know, all starting with that maintaining that calm state of mind and beginning there. And then what's happened since then um, has been a much more enjoyable ride um, as far as the relationships that I'm, you know, having in my life now, uh, my relationship with my fiance, like everything is coming from a much more centered place because of that actively working on starting each day at a very, very calm level. Mm. So meditation is a big piece. Yeah, it's a big piece. These lessons you learn. I mean, dude, you you did a big skip there. You went from 19 to 39. <laughs> yeah, it was a wild 20 years. So I want, I want to dive in a little bit into like what was in the middle. I'm sure there was a little bit of uh, lessons learned. A bit yeah. Of but, but real quick, it, it, anything else besides meditation? And is this, it, you know, sounds like meditation is a big part of your life. Um, how do you embrace that? as a team um, or are you? And is that just something that's yeah. a work in progress? No, we are. So, um, and that's, we're, we're hundred percent remote. So we start off every meeting that we do all of our, our, our all hands meetings. We always begin with uh, Charlie, who's the, um, you know, our, our employee that was the, the, the mindfulness coach comes in with a, with a technique or a skill and she kind of explains its history and she teaches it and we all do it. And, you know, from like box breathing, um, you know, to just, you know, sitting with a guided meditation to, um, you know, just five minutes of silence, whatever the case may be, we start every single meeting, you know, from that calm, you know, whatever's going on out there, let's take a little bit of time, let's learn a little something about, you know, where this technique came from or who uses it and why. And let's start there and begin our meetings calm. Mm-hmm. And kind of like what I was talking about with starting the day that I do every day, I start my day calm and it really gets... It, it allows me to be much more open and available to kind of listen to the signs that, uh, that I'm being given through life. And it's the same thing with our meetings. When we are able to begin a meeting with a mindfulness practice, we're now more receptive and we can listen to each other a little bit better. There's a definitive line from the nuttiness that was just happening, you know, in the office, right? Of fast and furious on the computers, you know, talking to one another, working meetings, all that good stuff. There's a line and we all recenter and then the meetings have such a such a much stronger impact. Yeah. And that's another part of kind of putting the calm from chaos mantra out there early is we want to attract people that are going to be open to that. Um, whether or not people have, you know, ever meditated or practiced mindfulness, whatever, you know, that's the, that that's not a prerequisite, but the openness to it uh, would be. Um, and then the other part of it too, I think that aside from just the meditation or just creating morning routines, you know, you know, I love paradoxes and uh, my favorite paradox um, ever is routine set you free. Uh, And and there's truth in that. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's a big part of it too, is kind of a consistent morning routine of, you know, all these little rituals. Yeah, I, I almost wanted to do this whole pod on paradox because I know, <laughs> I yeah. know that rings for you. And, yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it, it, isn't that what it's about um, with regards to these little um, th- these little routines, whether it's before a meeting, um, to start your day, just punctuating our days with moments of pause, with moments of reflection, um, provides that structure that can allow the day to unfold in a little bit more of uh, an intentional way. Um, Definitely. Well, it's like you're, it's it's like you're accomplishing things, you know, like especially to start off the day, you're accomplishing these things, all of these routines, you're, you're completing things. Mm -hmm. You're, you're intentionally doing things because 
maybe you don't want to do them, but you know that there's a higher purpose behind it, that it's good and that kind of keeping that regularity is really important. So yeah, there, there, there's a really good anchor as far as that goes with, with being able to start the day off in a position of ownership. And, you know, and, and I always like to say, if I, if I can get through my full routine, which is getting ever, ever longer, I think I'm up to like 11 things now. So I don't clearly don't get all 11 in uh, all the time, but man, when I do, I literally feel like I can take on anything that happens to me during that day. I, I fear nothing mm. versus if, you know, if I'm out of town or something and the meetings are going to start early and I'm, you know, jet lagged and screwed up from the time change, you know, and I might just have a little bit of time to just sort of quietly reflect, you know, after I get out of the shower or something, which is nice. It's not, I, I don't have the same readiness to just take, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more reactive versus proactive. And I think that when I'm happiest and at my best is when I'm in a proactive state. When I'm in a reactive state, I can be moody, um, very excitable. You know, I get frustrated because I don't feel like it's, I feel like the day is controlling me and I'm just sort of being blown around by the wind versus me working with the day and kind of working together. Um, so it's a big, it, it's, it's become a very, very big and necessary part of my life. Me too. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I, I think morning routine is something that's interesting too. Like it's it's a paradox in itself. I, I really like how you explained it, that you have these 11 things that, um, potentially it's 11 things now, that, you know, in an ideal day, that that's what you'll do to, to start your day. And at the same time, you know that the chances of you hitting 10 for 10 or 11 for 11, I should say, um, you know, maybe, maybe isn't that high. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Like, you know, you can set up this structure and this strategy, um, to, to sort of win the morning. And when you, when you miss that strategy, it's not like, you know, it's judgment time. A hundred percent. And what I, what I look at for success is three out of the 11. So as long as, yeah. So I give myself, yeah, I'm very gentle with myself on this. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because, well, you don't, if you're starting off the day intentionally, you don't want to start off the day feeling like a loser. (laughs) So, so I think, uh, you know, uh, keeping the bar nice and low to win is good, but all of those things are are really good things for me to be doing. All 11 are are, are propelling me in some way. Mm -hmm. So if I'm just able to get a handful of them done now, I'll be pretty, you know, it's very rare that I don't at least get three. Very rare now. Um, You know, maybe, Maybe once in a blue moon, um, you know, I'll be thrown off usually on a vacation or something like that. I won't be able to read for 20 minutes or something, but it's very rare that I, that I won't at least hit three of them. So, dude, that is perfect. We have the 11. Our bar is three. If we get anywhere in the middle, it's gravy. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, if, if you can't name all 11, but do we have an I, yeah, a general I can, idea? I probably run 11? through them. Yeah. So, um, so meditation specifically, zazen is one of them. Uh, yoga, journaling, affirmations, red light therapy, cold shower, cardio, reading. Um, oh man, my mind drawing a blank right now. Anyway, there's I mean, the, you're there's doing a handful good. more. You got yeah, there. I know. And then then my ADD kicked in. And <laughs> it's, it's all good. It's all yeah. good. Yeah. Um, no, but I, again, I I didn't expect that. Um, this piece to come out of this conversation, but um, selfishly, I I really like that because I'm a person who um, I just want to gobble up more and more ideas to to start off my day great, and, and I'm a huge lover of mornings, just in general. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite time, um, and it's precious. 
And I've done practice, you know, several different journaling practices, meditation, setting intentions, affirmations, all these things. Um, I want to get active right in the morning. Mm-hmm. Love to love to go for a run in the morning. I got the last two. It's uh, walking. Yeah, it's walking my dog and looking up. And then the uh, <sighs> the last one is um, uh, strength training. Beautiful. So it's a minimum of if I'm like going to pinch for that one, I can either do ten pull ups or fifty push ups and hit that. Uh, there we hit go. that one. There so, we go. Cool. I'm um, glad that I got him. That was going to bug me if I, if I didn't get that out. So I know. thanks for your patience. I was trying to throw you. <laughs> but hey, dude, um, it's it's just great. Again, I mean, the, the more important part, I think, here is that you have all these options um, that you know will set you up for success. And yet you have a realistic bar for yourself to make sure that it doesn't yeah. turn into a negative. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of, of setting all this stuff up if, if it's going to just be a, a, an albatross? Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be something that you feel good about. Otherwise, like, you know, pick a new, <laughs> pick something else. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. So now, now in the spirit of that first part of our conversation of revealing some of maybe the challenges we go through either entrepreneurially or uh, personally um, to arrive where we're at along the way, right? Like somebody listening today is like, man, this guy, Todd, he's really on it. He's an entrepreneur. He does 11 things to start his day to make himself more <laughs> mindful, more intentional. Um, you talked about when you were 19 years old, you weren't, you definitely weren't there. You you had some of the, yeah. some of the, um, some of the teachings like right, right in front of your face, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you weren't, weren't ready to accept him. Um, let's go back in time a little bit when maybe you weren't so mindful. You weren't maybe so calm you, mm-hmm. you maybe were a little bit more subject to chaos yeah absolutely and and it's one of those things i, I it, there was it was weird it's you know I, I think a lot of you know a lot of our life is is really just an unfolding so we don't recognize the important events as they're happening necessarily but sometimes we do you know mm-hmm. sometimes we we kind of feel like we got struck by a bolt of lightning and it's like wow this is a game changer and the first time that i actually sat in zazen was that bolt of lightning for me now um the the funny part is of course you know i I kind of took the class and was really engaged in it and loved loved the teacher we learned tai chi and ikibana and and you know gestalt sort of discussions so it was great and it was and i can remember that class far more than i can remember any other class that i've ever taken but the part that i knew that was that how i kept it with me if you will was i kept my my notebook from that class that i still have today and I lugged that sucker with me to every place that I lived every single year. I always knew exactly where I was from the time that I was 19 uh, till today. And, you know, I go back and, and on occasion, I'll, I'll flip through kind of my thought process and the notes that I was taking when I was learning about the Tao Te Ching and Lao Tzu and, you know, all, all the ways of the ways of the paradox, right? And the, and the thread that sort of the Tao that, that sort of, you know, unites us all. And, I've, and all of those, like those, those thoughts that I had in that book, are the exact same thoughts that I have now when I start to look into those things. So, uh, you know, it, it was kind of nice that even though I wasn't practicing, you know, the, the the calm methodologies that I am now, I it was still very precious to me and I kept the, the thought process with me. So I still always had it. Mm. I just wasn't exercising it. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely an interesting thing you, you made me think of going back into journals and um, I... I, I did um, I did like six months worth of morning pages, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, three pages of unprompted journaling you know, to start the wow. day. And it's taught 
it's taught in this book called The Artist's Way, which I think I've mentioned several times on this pod by a woman named Julia Cameron. And I think I first started doing it in like 2018. And um, for the first time in a long time, like I went back and, and read those. And what was interesting is, you know, I, I consider this last year and a half in particular of, of studying intention of um, hosting this podcast, of writing this newsletter and writing my book as this sort of like very distinctly different time in my life. And yet what was interesting is reading through those pages, there's a lot of the same ideas that that seem to wow. circulate in my being that I sort of dumped out on that page. Um, and I don't know, I just thought it was fascinating that you just shared that. Um, you're, now yours is spending 20 years, but it's pretty crazy. Like, I, I think we can change a lot and we can, um, you know, we can put into our, you know, sphere a lot of different things, but um, I mean, what interests us at one point, um, you know, will show itself again. And um, it's pretty remarkable to hear that, that that's kind of kind of how it was for you. Yeah. You, and you, you, this, the same same things that attracted you then are still showing up and attracting you. Now. It's so true, you know, and, and I think it's just that awareness that we start to, to grow into mm-hmm. where it's, um, and that we, kind of find beautiful now you know it's like I, I didn't think awareness was all that beautiful back in those days uh, the thoughts were still there you know a lot of the same experiential thoughts were there but the 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 beauty and being aware of them and sort of being able to step back and observe the the thoughts versus sort of being in the thoughts I think is the biggest change and you, you made me think of something when you were talking about the the journaling and uh, I've always wanted to you know I wanted to ask you this before um but, but we've talked about, you know, you've talked about doing sort of guided journaling. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered what that was. And, and we've tried to do it on our, um, on our boat rides a couple of times, brought journals and everything. We never got to it because we always end up talking and then the time just flies. Uh, but would you, can, can you, I don't know if you have or not on the podcast already, but I, I would love to, to hear a little bit about how that works. Uh, yeah. Well, I think guided journaling might've been a phrase that got thrown around um, that, that, I don't think is accurate because it sounds a lot like guided meditation. Um, for for that, for for the boat, I was just going to provide some structure mm-hmm. for us to journal on the boat to reflect our experience because during the boat um, boat ride, as you mentioned, like we just get to talking. Yeah, and communication is great. Like talking and conversation, much like we're having here, is awesome. Um, but it it's it's one form of you know, discussions, one form of communication, right? And mm-hmm. particularly for that day, we were talking about listening and, you know, l- l- listening can be practiced. I, I think one way to really practice listening is by writing and by recording and reflecting wow. okay. and observing. So um, for whatever it's worth during that, I was going to run us through a reflection exercise. And one reflection that I like to, um, that I like to use a reflection structure is, Name, name and experience, like what did I do? What did I learn? And what helped, right? Awesome. And so for that, it was just like, hey, let's let's pick for, for this exercise, let's pick one experience. It could be on the boat, it could be from earlier that day, it could be earlier, you know, from something, you know, back in the day. Um, but just p- pick out a single experience, record that experience, pick out what we learned from that experience, and then what helped us have that experience. I feel like I should be taking notes right now. I, like that, I love that. That's beautiful. And and was the intention then, was this going to be something that we were going to share or was it just going to be something that we were going to keep journal and, and that was just going to be for, for our own personal reflection or how did you, 
how, how did the whole thing uh, plan to play out? Um, why not? Why not? Right. I think um, what you're actually touching on that that I was going to bring up in the beginning of this pod is how things can just evolve. And the Zen Duffy boat um, is this beautiful thing that like started off as just one boat ride with four guys. And hey, you know, hey, let's just get some guys together that we know sort of think about, um, you know, personal development, working on oneself. Mm-hmm the power of, um, you know, of, of being present, et cetera, of awareness, right? And in, in short order, uh, you know, the, the, the team, you know, grew quite a bit. Um, I think we're six boat rides in, and, and now Joe provided a little bit of structure mm-hmm. for the last one. And, um, and I, I think what, what, what I was hoping to do was just to keep bringing a little bit of components um, additions to the boat because that's that's how things become mature and that's how things become like really crazy you, you know who knows like two mm-hmm. years from now maybe the Zen Duffy is like uh, a you know uh, a non-for-profit business that you know that that hosts 20 boats all over the US and and you know tons and tons of people I, I mean I, I think I'm getting a little extreme now but um, it all starts with those little bits of addition of just adding a little bit um, to, to the experience. And that was my, um, you know, my first inkling was like, hey, I, I want to bring the power of the written word to this mm-hmm. to this experience, um, particularly for men who, who maybe don't journal that much um, or don't even know where to start. Yeah, man, what you just said was so powerful and, and real, right? And and I think that the, the Zen boat is the, the perfect sort of alliteration of that of, you know, it was a seed, mm-hmm. you know, that started out as a seed, just a little idea, you know, casual conversation. Hey, maybe we should try this. The seed got watered and and is really beginning to flower and sprout. And as you mentioned, it's starting to potentially have other seeds that it can, that can pop off and also be nurtured and sprout themselves. And it's so fun because whenever I think about the concept of seed and, and growth, uh, you know, and, and this is, you know, a little out there, but it's the way that I view it. <laughs> It's like our, our brains are embryonic, you know, and embryonic? With, yeah, like when you look at the just the, the look of the brain is, is like a seed. Mm. Right. And, and that's I think that that concept and, and understanding the power of that seed is very, very important. And if if we look at watering, you know, our brains, you know, watering that seed or or, or helping the helping our brains to thrive, the, the ways that we do it are through turning inward and having discussions listening writing reflecting being aware all those things start to water our brains and and in my experience and my beliefs are that those those are the causes that create the effects and create the really um you know transcending experiences of the zen boat of a bunch of guys that over, we're very loosely connected at best to creating, um, you know, a really tight bond and, and the ability to to grow kind of together in a trusting way uh, quicker than anything I've ever experienced. And it's it's weird that, you know, this late in life is when that opportunity sort of popped up. But I think that the energy and the excitement that all of us have uh, about that event and, and the gathering of it uh, is is very powerful and, and has that you know explosive capability. I mean, we want to we don't want to keep it for ourselves. We want to share it. You know, it's one of those things to 
that it's, you know, it, we can't because it's, it'll get way too chaotic and it's already, we're already tapped out, you know, already. But it's one of those things where it's like, everybody should be able to experience this. Mm-hmm. And everybody has the capacity to experience this. What people don't always have is the vessel to experience this, both maybe literally and figuratively. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that. I love what you were saying. And I think that, you know, if, if, I mean, why not? I mean, why couldn't the the uh, the Zen Duffy thing grow into a, a, a much bigger movement? And I think that that's the belief in it. You know, it's like, why does anybody do anything because they believe they can? Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, I think I was painting that picture just to illustrate the, the more important part, which is, you know, and you picked up on it, that that we have seeds all around us, right? We're seeds, our little business adventures are seeds, our creative pursuits are seeds, our relationships are seeds, right? Like um, Mm -hmm. all these things have ridiculous capacity um, and potential for abundance, right? Potentially infinite, right? Like everything really does. Um, What it requires from us is that unconditional watering and and sunlight, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I don't, and I just don't think we, we don't subscribe to that enough. We're so outcome focused, right? Yeah. Um, you actually, when you were going through um, what you just said, you made me think of this um, phrase that keeps coming up in Pressfield books that I that I read, and he quotes the uh, Bhagavad Gita, and it says, "You have the right to work, but for the work's sake only. You have no right to the fruits of work. Desire for the fruits of work." must never be your motive in working. That's full circle to what you were talking about at the beginning of the show with, yeah. you know, the, the, what's the desire of, of the service that people are doing on the, on the reciprocity concept. And if, if the desire is, you know, to truly just help people and to, to, you know, give somebody um, a leg up or, or, or maybe motivate somebody in some way that has a tendency to come back to you. Mm-hmm. If the desire is to, uh, only get a you know a nugget back you know if I get a I give you a piece of silver you give me a piece of gold if all you want is the gold then you're very unlikely to get it uh, paradoxically <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah and and that's one thing I I just really enjoy about my life in its current form is I've set up all these seeds that I can sort of practice um, just just giving. Um, unconditional water and sunlight and the Zen Duffy is one of those where it's like, oh, here's this here's this cool little blossoming community and what I can give to it today is this idea for for journaling and um, you know, we, we, we each have our own businesses and those those definitely are prime spaces for um, forgiving, right? And, and watering and, and, and sunlight, which I'm sure you know all about. Absolutely. And it's the other thing too, that, that what you're just saying just sort of struck me is, you know, we, we all go to that thing and give a lot, you know, we're all very vulnerable and nobody goes there expecting to take, nobody wants anything from anybody else. Um, but we all want to give and we all walk away with a ton. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things to where, you know, we don't have any ulterior motives. You know, there's no one that's trying to, no one's got an angle. You know, we're, we're, that's kind of why it's a safe place for us, I believe, to kind of be, to be vulnerable because we don't have to have our guard up. And I think it's that ability of us all just wanting to share and learn and ponder that gives us, that makes us walk away with sort of, 
you know, this standing up a little taller, you know, and, and feeling a little bit better about getting home and, and, you know, having the relationships with, with our loved ones or whatever the case may be. We kind of have an era, you know, an aura, pardon me, around us. Uh, that's, that, that's very obvious to folks. I know that Cindy, you know, is very aware of how important that stuff is to me. And she knows that when I get done with that, I'm in a great mood. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've walked away from every single one of those things, just like whistling, you know, like noticing the birds a little bit more. Um, and, I, and again, it comes back to, to your initial theme on this is we don't go there to try to get over on anything. It's just, let's just go there and, and share and, and offer up whatever thoughts we can, you know, on the subject of the day. And then walk away just like, wow, I've, I just took away so much mm. from that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Man, if John and Joe knew, we were just talking about this. Today, <laughs> they'd be proud. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it leads to another one of your values. Um, that I think all of these actions and, and what we do with the Zen Duffy uh, lead to this other value of unity, of pursuing unity. And unity is more and more just i I think it's the ultimate reason we're here you know it's the ultimate reason of all this stuff right of sort of self-discovery of living with intention of um you know of of giving it's really to pursue unity it's to provoke unity so i thought it was really interesting that you put it on on your core values and it's also one of those things though that i kind of get a head scratch on when i talk about a lot um so I'm, i'm curious how unity um, how, how it shows up for you, how you're, how you are pursuing unity. Um, and you, and you, ta- you even talked about it a little bit, which I thought was interesting from a, from a work perspective of, of attracting folks that are open-minded to some of these ideas, um, which we don't think about when we think of work, when we think of business, we, you know, I think our, our status quo mindset is, you know, what, we'll, we'll take whatever business will be had. Yeah. <laughs> but that is, that's a slippery slope. It's not, not a, not It a, can bite you. It can bite you, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And well, pursuing unity has got, man, quadruple entendre, right? It, there, there's a lot, there's a lot there, but the, the, the basics of it are from a practical standpoint, um, communication is really 99.99% of all the world's problems. And when we're pursuing unity, we're really pursuing open lines of communication and understanding that our similarities far outweigh our differences. And usually if there's a breakdown and a chaotic breakdown, it's because there's been a breakdown in communication at some point. So that's where the integration strategy came in of if we can unify software and get- I mean, dude, you said something pretty crazy that I, I actually subscribe to 100%, but you just said communication leads to 99.99%. Yeah, maybe even more. <laughs> <laughs> that was the highest I could think of. Yeah, well, I, I, I fully believe that because I think, and, and that also comes from from Zen meditation and the idea of of oneness, you know, that, that we're all one, right? And I think, you know, big mind, small mind, um, that concept of of realizing that we're all really one, that we're all, we're all one thing. We see each other as different and we see, you know, we, we drop people into different, bu- to different buckets, but, and then we make, we make assumptions and judgments based on what we perceive to be facts. And we're always wrong. We're all, we're always wrong. When we, when we kind of, if, if we have a rough interaction with somebody, we play the movie in our head of, well, that motherfucker must think I'm this, you know? No, no, there, there something else happened that we're not privy to. 
Why, why are we not privy to it? Because it was never communicated to us. Mm-hmm. We either didn't seek it out or it wasn't provided to us. So we have to, our, our brains have to close the thought loop. So it needs to fit, to stick something in there. And that something in there is the seed of chaos, right? Like that's when we're, when we start off really separating ourselves and pointing to somebody else and saying, that's not my job, that's your job, or you screwed up, or somebody, or one person needs to be accountable here, and we need to find that person, and we need to lock them up and throw away the key, or whatever the case may be. There's a lot more than just that one little action that, that really caused all of this. And if we could really understand what that was, if we can communicate, if it was communicated to us somehow, then there wouldn't be a problem. So that's kind of where the whole idea of you know communication causes all of our problems is we start to think we get selfish, you know, human nature. Um, and selfishness is the opposite of oneness. It's, it's divisive. And the idea of pursuing oneness is the idea of pursuing communication to try to understand that the person that's frustrating you likely has, at least in their mind, a good reason for it. We just don't know what that reason is. But if we did, we could probably relate. Mm-hmm. And we can relate because really we're all the same. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's everything you said is <laughs> I, I agree with 100 percent. And I think even on a practical level, we're we're just we're not good at hearing what's being said and we're not great at saying what we mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that is what causes that division and that separation of reality which is that we're we actually are really all the same and you're probably experiencing the same shit that i'm experiencing we just aren't communicating it yeah well. yeah mm-hmm. yeah when it's the idea and again the you know to to go back to to zen that's just a a, a big underlying um thought process for me but the idea of of the Tao, right of of the life force the thread is that in in zen it's taught that you can't actually say what the Tao is. The second you try to describe the Tao, you're already wrong. You can't put into human words the communication of the pureness and the essence of the Tao. The second, by, by trying to describe it, I'm, I'm already at least a little off. Yeah. And that's the same thing with how I feel like when we communicate sometimes. Because we, if we can't all really nail and communicate perfectly what the Tao is, then that has a you know a, a reactionary effect or chain reaction type of effect that lets me leads me to believe that oftentimes we don't communicate perfectly with each other and the way that you would like to hear something and the way that I would say that thing might not match but that still could be the same concept that we're going for we're getting tripped up on the the limitations of our ability to communicate as humans so I think that there's a part of and what you said kind of really reminded me of that of you know, it's it's it, the communication, while it's so important, it's still necessarily imperfect. Mm-hmm. So it's a sort of a constant, you know, a, a constant challenge. But what we can do, it's a very noble pursuit, I believe, to try to get better at it. And to because you can while it, while you can never nail it perfectly, you can there's definitely degrees yep. of missing. And, and I think that that effort and that intention to seek out and, and understand different perspectives or not be so quick to jump to judgment um, is it, it really speaks heavily to that of trying mm-hmm. to understand it because even though it's not going to be perfect if we're if we're close enough then we can start to relate and then we don't have to say it anymore our, our brains wrap wrap its you know 
wrap its head around it. And then we're able to sort of understand all of a sudden. And then we're not so mad. It's like that thing when, you know, if if someone that, you know, does you wrong, right? If you like, if you walk by and, and you see Joe and, and you're on the street and you're like, hey, Joe, what's up? And Joe walks right by you and doesn't say hi to you. You're like, well, damn, Joe. I don't know what the hell, what did I do to Joe? What, does Joe mad at me? Does, does Joe just suck now? What's going on with Joe, man? Joe, when I see Joe, I'm going to tell Joe a thing or two about a thing or two, right? You build up this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if Joe comes back to you later and says, you know, hey, Bobby, sorry, man, I, I just didn't see you. I was, I had a call on, on in the ear and I was really, really focused. So sorry, man. You know, I, of course I miss you. I love you, all that stuff. Then all of a sudden you're not mad anymore. Right. It's like you melt his, melt all, yeah, all that anger goes away because now you get it. Now you understand where he was coming from. The communication was there. So all of that effort and energy of trying to figure out, well, do I, do I, do I not look right? I mean, does he, what, what, does he not like the way that, I, you know, that, that it's not like my, it's like my bag. It's not like my dog. What's going on here? All of that energy just gets wasted. And it's because, you know, of that problem that we have with, with that sense of self versus that sense of, of oneness. Right, right. Yeah, well, with 99.999% of communication causing all the problems, the bar, again, the bar's really low. So, yeah, yeah so, exactly. So trying goes a long way, right? Being mindful of the words we say, being a little bit more patient, um, and hearing the folks that are trying to share their experience with us, um, it goes a long way. Yeah, and, and sort of approaching it even though it's, you know, in that example that I just used, it's, it's very easy to get frustrated, but it's very intentional to look at it from a calm perspective and say, there's probably a pretty good reason Joe didn't say hey to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's not his style. Would have been the better way, uh, you know, even though it's still a miscommunication, it's a matter of degree. And, and I believe that, you know, approaching it from sort of a calm intent would put into a much, it would, it would affect your day a lot less than allowing that chaotic intent of, well, what is he saying? What is he saying? You know, and, and that's that, that's the subtle difference that has sort of dramatic impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, man, we've all had those stories. Um, I, I want to talk with the with the time we have left about, um, I, I, I really want to talk about the master's key, but I think, I think it's too deep. I think it's too big <laughs> of a topic. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about... Um, you, you you share this often about um, folks who, particularly over the last year, just keep showing up, um, so, sort of in in aid to some of the work you're doing, mm-hmm. to, your, to your own life journey. Um, I, th- I think you even slotted me in that, mm-hmm. um, which I'm honored, and I'm I, I'm really interested in this because this is this is what I consider the. Um, the third phase of living with intention, I call it alignment. And it's basically the universe taking a nod and saying like, hey, we, we get where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. Um, here's some help. Uh, what's been your experience um, in particular? Yeah. Wow. You just nailed it. And that's the, you know, that that's that could be my lead out, you know, daily gratitude for my gratitude journal every single day or the the relationships that I've formed over this past year. Um, you know, it, it's been, uh, it's been astounding. And I, and I believe that kind of as, as I was able to more visually understand the point of, 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 of turning inward and, and really the point of living, right. As I was able to really get become at peace with that and, 
and focus on sort of my my personal and inner growth and and focusing on other people's personal inner growth and being genuinely curious and, and listening and uh, wondering what everybody's story is and how they get there. That once that became, a, you know, a central driver in my life, everybody started showing up. I mean, it, it's literally magic. And from, you know, from the, from us on, on the Zen Duffy boat to, um, you know, a, a lunch I just had with somebody who we met at a happy hour and started talking about, um, you know, technology investment. And we had lunch and then, I mean, another slot, you know, and another, another major piece is, has just been filled. And, and I was actually telling him prior to that, you know, us even really engaging in the conversation, I was actually discussing just what I'm discussing now, that this has been a really incredible year in terms of attracting people that are, that are like-minded, but are like-minded in, at a similar you know, stage in life with similar interests um, that have similar worldviews that are also, uh, you know, peaceful, uh, you know, loving people where we can talk about emotions and we can be vulnerable. That's never occurred to me in my life at this level. And if it had occurred, you know, if I'd have met a handful of people, I would have been blown away. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't even, it, it would take me probably an hour to list all the names of people that have become very, very important to me in my life. And I've gotten a ton, an absolute, really, really been huge for my growth um, on the, on the inner side in a major, major way. And it doesn't seem like that stopping. And I believe that that momentum, that's sort of the universe, you know, the, the law of attraction, the law of love, the law of growth, the same thing that's kind of happening with potentially the Zen Duffy um, spreading seeds and perhaps attracting more, you know, like-minded people, men, women, whatever. Um, I, I believe that that's a real thing. And as long as you keep feeding it, nurturing it, and and giving it the, its mental water, mm-hmm. it continues to grow. And I think that, you know, that positive outlook is a big part of it. And I think the, should that, should that outlook change? If I were to all of a sudden, you know, decide that, no, none of this is, you know, this is all BS. I, you know, I need to, you know, really pick up a casual meth habit and, um, you know, maybe I'll get into heroin. Right. And then, then I start spiraling, right. And then I start spiraling my life. It's going to attract the other type of people that, that are, that would most likely, um, be attracted to me and I'd be attracted to them. And that would be people that were also similarly spiraling down. Mm-hmm. So it's a state of mind. It's cause and effect for me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I believe that the cause is, is working on like inward. And I believe the effect is a fruitful, abundant life of, of, you know, loving relationships. Yeah. You're mining the cause quite a bit. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what else is there to work on. Right. It's again, I think that focusing on effects is, I mean, that's, that's the problem, right? It's like if, if people that are chasing the wrong things. Um, and it all starts with focusing inward and really understanding that that service aspect, the service for service's sake, uh, the service for wanting to give, service for wanting to, for everybody to be able to experience an abundant life. That's, that is, is very, very powerful. That's a powerful intention. And the intention of, well, I really want this sweet car or, you know, someone's got a, a really cool dishwasher that I wish I had, and I'm not going to be happy unless I get that dishwasher. You get the dishwasher and you're not happy, right? It's It doesn't work like that. It's got to start with the, a worldview. It's got to start with an outlook um, and with the intent of wanting to create that oneness that we can all we can all do this together. 
it doesn't have to be a competitive one winner everybody else loses it's we can all be winners and that's a, a huge revelation for me to to truly believe and adopt but i believe that's central to these this unbelievable year of relationships that i've been having yeah. well man it's it's been awesome to know you um the short amount of time i mean i think it's only been a few months yeah if i'm remembering correctly and definitely stoked to um continue on with with you and your journey both from a notaroo perspective from a zen duffy perspective um on a personal level um i guess just to close this out man um anything else you want to share particularly about i think i I think have, have, have it sounds like you've really you know come a long way with this with this mindset um, with with um, these different values. Um, anything for when we hit the hiccups in the road? Any anything to to bring us back to cultivating calm and pursuing unity and mining the cause as opposed to dwelling on the effect. Yeah, so and that's obviously an ongoing struggle. But and in, in just just the other day, I, I had somebody make a comment to me that I was like, "What? Why would they say that?" You know, and I think that. But fortunately, what I what I did then, and what I believe is the is the tool for that. Um, and, and this really comes from uh, from Michael Singer, uh, particularly the Untethered Soul. But it's the idea of just letting it pass. Let them let them have it. Let them have it. Let them win. There's there's so much going on. We're on a, we're literally on a rock floating literally in the middle of nowhere around one out of at least a trillion stars. It, it really, you know, trying to, to focus on that and, and bring myself back to that space and not let the moment make it small or, or make something small really big that's so infinitely small. And once I'm able to shift back into that gear, I can let it go and then I can kind of laugh about it and sort of laugh at myself for almost stumbling. I mean, oh my God, if I had to let that spin up, I could, I could have evaporated all of the work that I've done. And I could have, that was an opportunity for me to, to spin into chaos and to go down. Um, and I think that's the, the most important thing to, to go forward for me at least is being able to, as fast as possible, conjure up the size of everything and where we really are, like where, where we really literally are uh, versus where you look up in the sky and, and what do you see at night uh, outside of space jump? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, thank you, Todd, for for joining. Thank you, man. Um, I can't I believe. Yeah, it's that's a beautiful takeaway. That's how we land the plane, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that went fast, man. But yeah, thanks a lot. I'm I'm super glad we had to do this, or that, or that we got to do this, and and you know had this conversation. You got it, brother. Hey, it's Bobby. Thanks for listening to today's show. For more, follow Student of Intention at www.studentofintention.com. And remember, don't wait, start small, learn as you go.